Well, good morning. <clears throat> Can you all hear me in the back there? Yes, good. Well, this morning <clears throat> we are finishing <clears throat> our series in the Gospel of Mark. And over the past several months, we've walked through the first six chapters of Mark where we were reminded of who Jesus is. We've seen that Jesus entered our world to restore our relationship with our Heavenly Father and to usher in the kingdom of God. And as he interacted with those around him, we've seen his authority over demons and his power to heal the sick. We've seen his authority to preach the gospel and to teach the good news. And we've been reminded of his authority to call all of us into a relationship with him. Now this morning, as we end our time in Mark, we see that though that many were drawn to Jesus and deeply attracted to him, there were just as many who were offended by him and infuriated by him and his message. As Daniel mentioned last week, Jesus was rejected and despised even by those in his hometown of Nazareth. Mark writes in chapter 6, verse 3, And they took offense at him. So this morning, as we look at our passage, I just want us to consider two things. And the first is the offense of Jesus. And then secondly, the call for us to offend others. Let me pray for us. Father, we're grateful this morning for the cool breeze the sunshine, the shade. And Lord, we just would ask that you would help us in these moments to concentrate, Holy Spirit, to hear from you. We pray that your word would change us, encourage us, and challenge us. And we pray this in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. Well, the first thing that I want us to consider this morning is the offense of Jesus. Uh, a friend once told me that if you like everything about Jesus and everything about his teachings, then you probably don't know the real Jesus and the truths that he taught. In Isaiah 53.3, Isaiah says this about Jesus. He was despised and rejected by men. A man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. And in John 15 verses 18 through 20, Jesus says this to us. If the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. Because Jesus is not of this world, many found him, found him to be offensive. 
He offended the elites, the religious leaders, the aristocrats. He offended the lowly, those of humble means in his hometown of Nazareth. Jesus said very unpopular truths to those that he interacted with. Truths like this, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. He said to the rich young ruler, in order to follow me, you must sell everything. And the rich young ruler was so offended by Jesus's words that he walked away. Jesus offended those on the right of the political spectrum and on the left of the political spectrum. He said that immigrants are welcome. Therefore, we need to tear down the walls. And on the other hand, he said that egalitarianism is a worldly construct, not a biblical value. And while all of these things were offensive, the thing that made Jesus most offensive to the masses was his message that we are saved by grace through faith and not by works. The sin of Adam and Eve is that we all inherited the sin of pride. We come out of the womb thinking that we can conquer the world ourselves. We inherently want to be the Lord and master of our own lives. And we believe that we have the power to save ourselves. I have tons of friends who buy into this humanistic belief that no matter what situation they face, all they need to do is look inward and draw upon their own power so as to rescue themselves from whatever comes their way. Yet Jesus says, your humanity has limits. You cannot save yourself. Your resume is always going to fall short. Your good works are never going to be good enough. The only way you can be saved is by God's grace. And this message of grace is so offensive to our pride. Some received it, but many were so offended they walked away. The rich young ruler was an example of one who walked away. But in the Old Testament, we also see another who really struggled with this message of grace. In 2 Kings 5, we're introduced to Nahum. Nahum is a great commander in King Aram's army. He's a very successful man and someone who had had commands of thousands of men and who had built an incredible resume of past victories. Yet Nahum suffered from leprosy. And so when he hears that prophet Elijah was healing others, he thought to himself, I will go and meet with this prophet. But before he left, he thought, I'm going to gather a bunch of money to show him that I'm wealthy. I'm going to bring my sword in case he asks me to do some great feat. I'm basically going to come with my resume to prove to Elijah that I am worthy of being healed. And then as he moves toward Elijah's house, before he even reaches the door, Elijah sends out his messenger to greet him. And the messenger says to him, go and bathe in the river Jordan. 
Now, you would think that Nahum would be just overthrilled with that, but he was angry. Why? Because he was prideful. He was angry that Elijah wouldn't even give him an audience. He was angry that he wasn't able to present his resume to Elijah. But instead, Elijah was sending a messenger to tell him to do something very common, to go and bathe in the River Jordan. And what does he do? He complains and he begins to leave. And his servants beg him, Sir, please go. Go and bathe. And Naaman, though furious, agrees to do it. And when he dips himself in the river Jordan and he comes out, his leprosy is immediately healed. God healed him not based on his status, his money, his strength, or his military resume, but based on his grace and love. Tim Keller says, The ordinariness of the gospel offended Naaman's pride. And eventually leveled him. Jesus and the gospel message and God's words are offensive. So I wonder this morning. How does Jesus offend you? What things in scripture do you find repressive? Think about it for a moment. What things about Jesus do you find difficult to accept and embrace? For some of us, it might be Jesus' teachings on money. For others, it might be his teachings on egalitarianism. For others, it might be his teaching on gender and sexuality. The real Jesus is offensive. The gospel is offensive. If there is nothing that offends you or that you don't wrestle with in the darkness of night about who Jesus is and what Jesus has said, then you probably aren't worshiping the real Jesus and aligning yourself with the gospel, but instead are worshiping your created image of Jesus and the parts of the gospel that you like. The truth of our passage this morning is that Jesus is offensive. Whether you are on the right or on the left, rich or poor, black or white, educated or uneducated, blue collar or white collar, Jesus offends everyone. And his grace levels us all. So the first thing we see this morning is that Jesus is offensive. The second thing we see in our passage this morning is a call for us to go out and offend others. Now, I think you're thinking to yourself, Todd, you're telling us to go out and be jerks and be obnoxious and to offend others. I'm not telling you that. But as we look at our passage, just as Jesus came into the world boldly proclaiming the good news of the gospel... He calls you and me to be salt and light in our homes, in our workplaces, in our schools, and in our neighborhoods. And just as Jesus offended others, we too are called to offend others with the grace of God and the truths of his word. 
Tim Keller says about our passage this morning that the disciples were called, and I love this, to highly selective offensiveness. We're called to go out and be selectively offensive. We go out in humility and we go out speaking the truth. Look at verse 8 and following. Jesus gives the disciples directions as to how they're to go out. They were charged to take nothing for their journey except a staff. No bread, no bag, no money in their belts. Jesus is saying, don't go with anything in your war chest. Don't go with money so as to appear to have status or undue influence. But instead, I want you to go in humility and in need. I want you to be dependent on the hospitality of others. You're to stay with complete strangers who take you in. And you're to go serving those you encounter. You're to heal the sick and cast out demons. And as you do all of these things, you will be attractive to those around you. But Jesus also tells them you're to go preaching the good news of the gospel. The truth of the gospel. And this truth is offensive. On one hand, you're going to be extremely attractive to those that you come in contact every day. And at the same time, you're going to be preaching a message, a message that's very difficult for others to hear. You're going to be saying that while other religions say there are many gods, we only believe in one God. And he has sent his son to redeem the world. As followers of Christ, we're to be inclusive in our free offer of the gospel to all. And at the same time, exclusive in knowing that the gospel says that the only way to God is through Jesus Christ. This is highly selective offensiveness. We're to be servants. We're to be humble. We're to be dependent. We're to receive hospitalities from others. And then we are not to compromise the truth of the gospel and the truth found in God's word. Keller says, if you are never offensive, if you never experience rejection, you are being a coward or inconsistent. If you are never offensive, if you never experience rejection, you are being a coward or inconsistent. And if you are constantly offensive, always in conflict, may I suggest that you are being polluted by obnoxiousness, not righteousness. Jesus said that as the world hated him, the world will also hate you. The goal out of this passage this morning for us is not to find someone and beat them up with the truth. The goal is to speak truth with love in our conversations. To move toward others with humility and to serve them. But again, to never, ever, ever compromise the truth of the gospel. And as I was thinking about someone in my own life who is selectively 
offensive. I couldn't help but think of my young life leader, Steve Kimmel. Steve was very winsome in his efforts to woo all of us in high school. He spent time with us. He laughed with us. I remember at one point he he basically said, okay, we're all going to go to Key West for spring break. And he drove 18 hours straight, which is crazy, um, while we slept. He drove 18 hours down to Key West in an effort to serve us. And we had a blast that week. But the one thing that I loved about Steve was though he was humble and he was gracious and he was kind and he served us, he did not compromise on the truth of the gospel. He is the one who told me that if you follow Christ, Todd, it will cost you your life. And as a 16-year-old, I found that very offensive. Why would I give my life to someone that would cost me everything? But Steve would say, it's worth it because you are a sinner and you need God's grace and his love. Steve would speak truth to us in the high school years about drinking and getting drunk and what scripture said about the offensiveness of drunkenness. Now, he could have easily kind of not talked about those subjects with us because it did turn some of my friends away and they did not come back to campaigners. But others of us, we held on to the truth and we chose to embrace the full gospel, and to align our lives with it. Steve was selectively offensive. And at times I hated him for it, but I grew to love him for it. Likewise for us in this passage, and as we end the gospel series of Mark, Jesus is calling all of us to go out Not with your war chest, not with your money, not with your status, but in humility. And to love others, to serve others, to care for others. But also to speak the truth of the gospel uncompromisingly. And I'm telling you, we're living in a culture that is constantly saying things that do not align with the truth of the gospel. And so if we're going to love our neighbors and preach the gospel and go out and serve them, then we are going to be offensive. Our words are going to be offensive. You're going to be rejected. And this has been hard for me because I've thought about this a lot because I love to be liked by my neighbors. And to be honest, none of them have rejected me. I have experienced no persecution from them which has caused me to pray and reflect this week. What Jesus am I introducing to them? What truths am I avoiding talking about so as not to offend them? Am I preaching the gospel of grace? My hope for us as a church as we enter this fall season is that we will be selectively offensive. Not obnoxious, but selectively offensive. And you might be thinking, how how in the world can we do that? How can we have the power to do that? And the answer is because we have a Savior who faced opposition. And He allowed that opposition to nail Him 
to a cross to literally kill him. But on the third day, God raised him from the dead. And as a result, all of us who profess faith in him, we have the power to go out boldly proclaiming the gospel. And he took the sting of death. And so the martyrs could stand as they were being burned and sing and rejoice because they knew that this is not their home. There is an eternal home that God is forming for us. And with that hope and with the power of the Spirit, we too can go out like the disciples and boldly preach the good news of the gospel. Over these past months, Mark has offered us the opportunity to open this photo album of Jesus' life and ministry and see different snapshots of his life so that we might know him. My hope is over these past months, you've gotten a new glimpse, you've been reminded of things about Jesus and your hearts have melted and you've fallen deeper in love with him. But I also hope that as you've seen these different snapshots, that it's kind of pushed against your life and your lifestyle. And the Holy Spirit has used his word like a sword to cut through your heart, to challenge you, to see where you need to align your life with his truth. So that we might glorify him. And as we leave here today, may we echo Paul's words in Romans 1.16. Words that Steve Kimmel had me memorize at the age of 16. I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. First for the Jew, and then for the Gentile. Amen.